Let's go. 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 Let's Alright, welcome back to NBA University. Um, shout out to DJ Zenus again. Go check him out. Um, we're going to get right into it. Talk a little bit about what happened Saturday. Um, get into some more Big Ten teams. Go over some NBA guys. Um, and so we go from there. So what did you think of this Saturday? Yeah, so the first game you probably watched was Villanova, Kansas on Saturday. Uh, Kansas won kind of as most people expected, but Villanova struggling so far early in the year. Villanova already has four losses this year, which is, I'm pretty sure it matches their loss total of last year. It's kind of crazy if you ask me. I haven't Christmas yet. Uh, but they're definitely, they're, Villanova's a team full of guys that are not necessarily role players. Like, I want to give Bill Booth and ask a little bit more credit than just being a role player, but uh, they're not exactly, like, go-to guys either. So they're kind of trying to find themselves and figure it out. I have no doubt in my mind that Jay Wright will get that figured out by March. But Kansas is still pretty good. I don't think they've reached their anywhere near their full potential yet, honestly. Um, they're playing without Yudoka. Yudoka has a booty, and it kind of hurts them. But at the same time, I think it helps them because when they can play Dedrick Lawson at the five, they basically have five perimeter-type players that can all handle the ball and are just a, a nightmare to guard. Um, Villanova's in the game the whole time. They made it interesting. But Kansas at Bog Allen is just a really tough task. I think the Gerald Vick has been really impressive this year. Um, I liked him last year, but didn't think he'd make this big of a leap. Um, I know it's his senior year, but uh, he's really taken sort of the load on an offense. Um, he's done well with it. But, yeah, I, I, like you said, they'll normally get back on track. Um, I don't see that. Yeah, I got an interesting story for you with Gerald Vick, too. Like, he, last year, kind of, sort of, kind of, for the NBA draft just to test the winners. He kind of headbutted uh, with Bill Self a little bit, and they didn't really get along towards the end of the year. And basically, Gerald Vick didn't spot on the Kansas team, and he had to like beg his way back onto the team after having not the greatest showing at the combine. And it was pretty clear he was either going to be undrafted or a late second round pick. So he, he obviously wanted to go back to college and try to improve that stock. And basically, had to beg Bill Self to let him back on the team. I honestly don't know how Kansas would be right now without him. He's been huge for in the last at least two weeks. Yeah, I think if he's on another team, they're in a similar boat that Villanova's in. Um, so, I uh, really like what he's been doing. Uh, but, yeah, Villanova, uh, Pascal, and um, Phil Booth, I think, are very good college players. Pascal could eventually get to the NBA, carve it out and roll for himself. But, yeah, they're sort of missing that go-to guy um, that they had last year. Um, but eventually they'll, they'll come together as a team and be a, a good good tournament team for sure. Uh, Want to move on to your pick um, for last week? or? Uh, didn't we just go through like that, didn't that? 
Yeah, we can drop my pick. I still stand by that pick, too, because Gonzaga's definitely better than North Carolina. They just... All right, so when you play North Carolina, you cannot let Eddie Williams or uh, Cam Johnson hit their first shot. If they hit their first three, you lose the game because they're going to go crazy. They're such streaky volume shooters, and as soon as the first one goes in, they're not going to miss for a long time. Cameron Johnson made six, uh, at least six threes in that game, and obviously made the first one. Kenny Williams also made the first one. Um, so Gonzaga just, I don't know what the heck happened. Rui was being guarded by Luke May to start the game. The very first possession, he had him isolated on the wing, went by him, just missed the layup. And then the second possession, Brandon Clark went by him. Again, didn't finish, but they just never went back to that. To that. And I don't understand how you can have two really athletic NBA-type bigs that are being guarded by Luke May and you don't take advantage of it. So I got a problem with that. Uh, but North Carolina, Gonzaga cost them on a hot night. It looked like I know I told you this, but it looked like Gonzaga just kind of rolled the ball out and thought, like, you never better in Carolina, we won't have a problem. And they got smacked. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think they were ready for the game. Um, especially when North Carolina has goal players like Seventh Woods going six for nine and scoring 14. Yeah, five for five in the first half. Like, what? Like, dude, never, he had 11 points in the first half of his career. That's what the heck? Yeah, I, I think it's funny. I remember Seventh Woods and Dennis Smith Jr. were the highest, like, touted freshmen <laughs> in high school. And then, obviously, Dennis Smith separated himself a little bit. <laughs> um, Dennis Smith became an NBA player and Seventh Woods became a winner. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, North Carolina just had everything clicking. And Zaggy just wasn't ready to go from the beginning and just was playing catch up the whole game. So um, tough to do, especially on the road. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's Aggies a better team, just not on that night. Yeah, North Carolina is still really good, but I think they, like that night, they had everything clicking for them. Their defense was good. They're making shots. Their defense was good and they still gave up 90 points. So what that team? But they were making shots. They, like, they looked like I thought they were going to look this year and I still think if, if both teams play up to their 100% potential and play good on any given night, Gonzaga's better. Yeah, but North Carolina definitely showed their potential there um, as, as being a dangerous tournament team that could struggle through the season, sort of have close games with teams that shouldn't be close, and then get to the tournament and somehow make the Final Four. So I, I think they're a dangerous team. Cam Johnson helped his draft stock a ton. Like, he was the one player that stood out in that game with a lot of NBA potential on the court. Cam Johnson was the one that was, he deserved to be the best player. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, do you want to move on to a different game? Yeah, one that makes me happier than that one. Which one is that? Buffalo, Syracuse. Syracuse, another team, four losses before Christmas. That's a little bit more normal my mind at least in Villanova but um, yeah this was the first time that since 19 I want to say 99 it might be 96 but sometime in the 1990s that Syracuse was the lower seeded team playing another team from the state of New York because Buffalo is obviously undefeated they were ranked 14th on the state game Syracuse is unranked uh, and Buffalo did not play great Syracuse did not play great either um, but 
Buffalo hung around, hung around, hung around, and then CJ Massenburg went crazy in the second half with 26 points, or 23 points in the second half, and uh, led Buffalo over Syracuse in the dome. No, a tough situation because uh, Syracuse was on winter. Dickens weren't there, but other than that, I mean, Buffalo's legit. Yeah, Buffalo is a very good team. Um, we were talking about this earlier, but Buffalo definitely gets up for the big games. I mean, they've already beaten West Virginia, Syracuse, um, and then they have Marquette coming up here. So they have a lot of big wins, and they play big teams tough for sure. Uh, I, I like Massenburg a lot. Uh, I just like their starting five. Um, and then having Nick Perkins come off the snake, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they got they got solid guys off the bench, but they're starting five. They play really well together. Play with a lot of energy. Play hard on D. Um, but yeah, Buffalo is a scary team. After beating Arizona last year in the tournament, I think that put them on the map. Yeah, I mean they they play five seniors for most of their minutes. They all can shoot. They all play defense. Um, it's a it reminds me a lot. Nate Oates is the coach. It reminds me a lot of. BTU and how Shaka Smart was, where they're taking charges, diving on the floor, they're just they're beating you by just out efforting you, out hustling you. And I think that's that travels anywhere. That's why they're beating teams like West Virginia and Morgantown and uh, Syracuse and at Syracuse. So I don't Marquette's gonna be tough. That's a team that can score. West Virginia can't score too well. Syracuse doesn't score it too well either. Marquette will put up points, so that's gonna be a, a different type of test for Buffalo. Um, and also, obviously, having Syracuse and Marquette back-to-back is no joyride. So, we'll see what happens with that. Um, and a lot more on them later on when we actually break them down closer to tournament time. Yeah, I look forward to the Massenburg-Marcus uh, Howard matchup. So. Yeah, that's, that's, they got uh, just a quick blessing. They, have, they played, uh, when they played Southern Illinois earlier, they had Two guys combined for seven charges in that game. <laughs> ridiculous. Sounds like Brad Davidson of the team that we're going to cover later. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that covers uh, sort of what's happened in the past week. Uh, we'll take a quick break here and uh, get into the Big Ten. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to jump into the Big Ten of four teams we're covering today. Uh, Minnesota, Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, and Indiana. Um, we're going to start with um, Minnesota. What are your initial thoughts on them? Yeah, uh, Brian Murphy is uh, that's one thing I'd like to say. First thing, probably most important thing. Uh, Coffee is also a pretty solid player for them. A nice wing piece that. Uh, he can kind of disappear at times. He hasn't quite figured out go-to guy, I don't think, yet. But Jordan Murphy, I think, is, is flat-out superstar as a, as a college power forward. Um, I think he helps any team he would be on. And I think without him, Minnesota would really struggle. But he hasn't progressed as much as people have thought he would two years ago when he just took the world by storm and had a legit chance to win, like, player of the year and was an All-American and Big Ten player of the year. Um, but he's, he's still good. He still helps them out a ton. They still have enough talent. I really honestly did not think they'd be that good this year. 
Um, but they have already kind of shocked me with that. Uh, they have more or less losses by now than I thought they would have. Um, but I, it's a weird team. Like they, I don't think they have a ton of talent. And they don't necessarily play great either, but somehow they're winning plenty of games. Yeah, I mean, I think they have one really good freshman, um, Gabe Kelsher, and then um, another freshman, Daniel Tura. The, their big is decent. He's sort of getting used to the speed of the game. I think he can get sped up a lot and turn the ball over, but he's got good size and good skill. I think he'll turn into a good player. But, yeah, I mean, this, this team runs as Jordan Murphy runs. They play sort of an interesting style of basketball where they have uh, Mir Coffey sort of be their ball handler. Um, I mean, he's a six eight long wing when they have Gabe, who's six four, Dupree, uh, McBriar that starts as well, who's six five, sort of play off ball. Um, so, find that interesting how they run that. Uh, Patino is the coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I like what he does with their offense, where he runs a little bit out of horn set. So what horns is um, sort of you have two a uh, guy in each corner, um, and then two guys or a guy in each elbow, um, and sort of just run plays out of that. So what they do is have basically two playmakers on the elbows, Jordan Murphy and Amir Coffey, um, sort of run a little pick and roll together off the elbow. Uh, it's really interesting to see, and I think if Amir trusts to go left, um, and so I've watched a few games now where he rejects the screen and goes to his right, his weaker hand, his right hand, and turns the ball over every, almost every time he goes right. Um, so I think if he trusts that, goes left, has Gabe Kausher in the corner who's just a knockdown shooter, um, they could have a lot of success there. And then just a couple guys that come off the bench, um, Matt Stockman, uh, just real, real energy guy. Just moved the ball, um, good size, seven foot. Uh, and, and then Isaiah Washington, that's the one with the nickname, right? Yeah, he's a jelly guy from from New York City that you probably saw all over Instagram when he was in high school. Doing all these crazy layups for no reason that looked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, Isaiah, he's still young, he's a sophomore. Uh, I think he's still learning. Takes a lot of tough shots. Uh, and when I say New York City, like he is the absolute personification of a New York City guard, like one hundred ten percent. Yeah, very similar style to sort of Lance Stevenson of um, dance with the ball uh, and try to put up a, a tough shot, either a tough layup or a step back three, something like that. Um, he's got a lot of talent. Very shifty, got good handles, um, just not shooting the ball well right now. Um, shooting 27% overall and 14, 15% from three. So um, struggling shooting the ball, but he's not afraid to to shoot. Um, as all the shooters like to say, shoot or shoot. So, um, yeah, the only problem is when shooters that aren't really shooters say that, they start to struggle a little bit. Yep. yep. But, I, I mean, I like this team. Um I think for them to make the tournament um, and to play well in the Big Ten tournament, they're going to need Jordan to perform a little bit better, but I wouldn't expect too much more than I mean, he's 
15 and 13 right now, so can't ask too much more of them. Um, in a college game is just utterly ridiculous. Yeah. That's he's just a menace on the boards. Um, real strong, strong dude. Um, he'll put a shot up and move you five feet to go get the ball. Um, and he's got a quick second jump, so makes him tough on the boards, but for them, he's really not, he's not athletic at all, really. He's just a, he just understands positioning and like all that, the, all the good stuff, good rebounders do, positioning, blocking out, like knowing where the ball's going to come off the rim, all that stuff. He does it really well. Yeah. He's almost like uh Jason Max seal where he's just like, really, wow, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah. which I think he's still actually playing in China. Um, but, but he's just—he's the same height. Although Jason Maxwell, he's listed at six seven, maybe a little shorter than that. But they're just active bodies on the on the on the boards, just moving people out of the way. Don't give up an inch um, when someone tries to box them out. But obviously, Jordan Murphy, I think, is a little more skilled offensively, at least putting the ball on the floor. And then. I, I really need more from Amir um, and to Gabe for, and for Gabe to keep developing the way he is uh, for them to to do a little bit of damage in the Big Ten tournament. I don't think they're a tournament team. I think if they do make it, it's because they made a run in the Big Ten tournament, but I think with their, their schedule, um, not really having any, any big wins besides really Washington, Oklahoma State, Nebraska's a big win, but I think they have to make a run in the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, to, to make the, the big dance. Yeah, I don't think they're a tournament team either. Uh, they're going to need some legit resume building wins, like like a Michigan, Michigan State, a few of them actually, uh, just because Nebraska is really their only, like Nebraska's a tournament team, and that's a good win, but Oklahoma State probably not a tournament team, and Washington, the Pac-12 sucks, so that doesn't really count, even though Washington looked good at the times. But it's interesting you brought up the horn set because they have a lot of guys that are, at least should be good with the ball and are really athletic and lanky and, and just tough. And the horn set gives them a lot of space to attack the hoop off the wings. And like with guys like Nick Rayer, who is, I think of him like DeMar DeRozan kind of, and he loves that foul line pull-up. be that um, Gabe Kalsher, but uh, right now uh, I think they're they're an odd mixture of sort of upperclassmen and uh, underclassmen. Jordan's being a senior and Amir being a junior um, and Dupree a senior and then you got the young guys sort of mixed in there. 
I wish this team were all, if they grew all together, we're all seniors together, they could be a really, really good team. But, um, yeah, I just don't see them making the tournament. But I really like what they got, got there. They're a fun team to watch. Um, but, yeah, I think that brings us to um, our next team, which is Ohio State. Um, what, do you, what do you got for them? Yeah, so they've struggled in the last, like, week and a half or two. They barely survived Bucknell. Um, and honestly, a game that Bucknell killed them in the first half, and Ohio State put them in the second half. Bucknell bought all of them and ended up losing by two out of three, and they had a chance to tie it at the end. Uh, and then they just struggled last night, too. Didn't play great, but they're just, I mean, they, they got talent. I think Chris Holton is an awesome coach from Butler. Uh, and Bradley, they're, they're big go-to guys, but the absolute most under-the-radar player that happened this past year in the transfer market was, uh, I'm telling you, a soccer guy now, uh, Keyshawn Wood. It's awesome. He's a great college player. He's like uh, a big he can handle a lot of people involved, but also knows when to take over and get his own shot. Um, I think he's an awesome, huge player for them. And then the Western Bros, like I said, but uh, they're also another weird team, kind of like Minnesota. They, they definitely have more talent than Minnesota, but I don't think they've quite figured it out altogether yet. Um, but another team, like with Chris Holton as the head coach, I think they will figure it out by March. And uh, currently they're ranked, so it would I would be surprised to see them not in the tournament. I think the Big Ten is deep enough where they'll have enough quality wins, and they've already started out as a pretty solid team, so it'd be difficult for me to see them not in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of good talent, um, a lot of interesting pieces. Like you said, Keyshawn Woods, um, very smart guy, um, not overly quick, not going to beat you with a crazy handle, just a smart player sort of knows how to get into the lane, how to get to his spots and, and knock down jumpers. Um, really sort of has, has a pro game where he plays in the mid mid post, um, yep. gets those shots that he wants to, um, and isn't afraid to get to his own shot at any point in the game. Um, you really saw that against Illinois. He took over that game. Um, I thought C.J. Jackson wasn't playing very well. And Keyshawn sort of came in and took the the primary ball handling and carried them through that game. Because Illinois is a team that just will pressure the heck out of you. Um, yep. And, and he really handled that well. Um, Ohio State has two two guys that um, I really like watching, uh, Luther Muhammad and Kyle Young. Uh, I think that both of them just play really hard. They play great defense. Um just try to do all the little things. Uh, they'll put all the effort in they need to. Kyle Young is incredibly strong um, and just doesn't take shots that he doesn't need to. Um, will drive, and if he has someone open to kick it out, he's going to kick it out. He's not going to force anything um, and plays a ton of minutes for him. And then Luther Muhammad, I think he has the potential to be a very, very good player. So only a freshman right now, um, but does a little bit of, of everything for him. Uh, knocks down threes. Um, struggling to foul line right now, but, um, I mean, he does everything well outside of the free throw shooting. I mean, shooting 57% from the free throw line, but does everything really well. And 
puts sort of his nose into every every loose ball. Uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy you really don't want to guard you because he'll just dog you the whole game and he doesn't ever get tired. Kind of unfair. Yeah, it's it's strange to see. He's, you know, he'll play 30 minutes and not want to have his hands on his knees. So, yeah, um, because he, his hands are busy taking the ball from you. Yeah, right. Um, and another interesting guy, I think, at Ohio State, Dwayne Washington, um, another freshman. Um, he's sort of coming on. I think he is a, he's got a lot of different weapons offensively. He can get to the rim, has a good handle so far. Um, can handle contact in the paint and still finish. I've seen him get quite a few and one so far. Um, and he's just creative. He uses good pump fakes um, and has good footwork uh, when he gets stuck without his dribble. Um, so I like him a lot. Um, but I'll be honest, I was um, sort of underwhelmed with Caleb Wesson. He's, uh, talk a little bit more about him. Yeah, I mean, he's a big body. He's, he's got some post moves. He's got decent touch. Like, he, he understands the game, but there's just times where it's like, what are you doing? Where'd you go? Watch this gear. What is that shot? Why are you doing that? There's just too many question marks for a guy that has a good amount of talent and has some experience under his belt now. Um, it's a guy that, at least when I watch Ohio State, I always expect more from him than what I get. Um, but he's always going to be a big part of their offense because they just—they're—he's one of the focal points. I mean, he's probably one of the most talented players in the team. Uh, but yeah, when you watch Ohio State, you're going to think like he'll have some moves and some plays where you're like, "Wow, this kid's really good." And then like you won't see him for a few minutes. What the heck? Where did he go? Like, well, he's just dominating the post. Why is he out of the three point line now? So just things like. Yeah, I mean, there's times where he, he really uses his body, gets good positioning, throws in and up and under and gets to the hoop and gets an and one. Um, and then there's other times where he's stuck behind the three-point line um, and, and doesn't go into the paint. It's confusing because, I mean, I know he's lost 40 pounds since last year, but um, he's still 270 and can throw his weight around, knows how to do it. Uh, and his skill down there, I just he he trusts his shot a little too much. Uh, maybe because he gets tired. I mean, he's only playing 23 minutes a game. I think that goes to his conditioning. But he he if he could just stay in the post and really tire out the other team's bigs, get foul trouble on him, um, he can get a lot more than 14 a game. And he's a really good free throw shooter for his size. I think he and he's skilled enough to be scoring with either hand and finishing through contact. Um, I just I've been disappointed with him because of the amount of skill he has and the way he uses it. Um, but his his older brother Andre, um, he's I don't know how they're brothers because they're complete opposites. He's just an energy guy. Very um, little. Like he's. He's just a very athletic, um, isn't trying to force too much, not going to shoot the ball a ton, just take open looks and play and play defense. 
So uh, I, I like Andre a lot. Um, yeah, he's the he's a set you off the bench, like just the the glue guy type of player for Ohio State. Um, but again, like not to harp on it, but every team needs a go-to guy, and Keyshawn Woods was that at Wake Forest, and he is that now at Ohio State. And like you said in the Illinois game, whenever you can have a guy that'll just go get the ball and, and go win the game for you by himself, you got you got a chance. So. Uh, it's a team, I, I would expect them around like the five, six, seven line in the tournament. I don't think they'll get any higher than five, unless they just shock me in the Big Ten and have some really good wins against like Michigan, Michigan State, the top of the class of the Big Ten. Um, but well, I'll touch on it a little bit more once we get to Indiana coming up. We're pretty good at these foreshadowing things. I, they just pop up in our head. I promise. I don't really plan them out, but. Uh, get these newer, like, second-year and third-year coaches in the Big Ten that you start to see this recruiting class coming in. Like, we've already hit on Ohio State's freshman. We're going to hit on Indiana's freshman, these two second-year coaches. Like, Big Ten's coming. They're they're getting right back to where they were. You still have his own D-line that are going to be the head of the class, but Chris Holtman, Archie Miller, all these guys, they're, they're good. They're coming. Yeah, there's a ton of good freshmen that aren't getting talked about enough. Um Luther Muhammad, Dwayne Washington for Ohio State, and Gabe Kalsher and um, Daniel Turo for Minnesota. I mean, there's a lot of ton, ton of talent um, for young guys. Um, and just one one last thing with Ohio State, um, I completely agree with you. Five to seven seed. Um, I think they're a team that's going to be picked to be upset in the first round, often just because they won't get enough national attention. They don't know their guys. Um, but I think this is a team that could make a, a semi-decent run because of Keyshawn Woods. Uh, I think he can sort of direct this team because he is a grad transfer. Um, he's got plenty of experience playing in ACZ, uh, and then they got CJ Jackson's a senior, uh, and then a couple go-to guys there. So uh, I like this team a lot. Yeah, I think they have a, a decent chance to be a second weekend tournament team. Uh, I would be very surprised if they got, like, the lead eight on a four. I don't think they're quite that good, but I think Sweet 16 would be their ceiling, and I think it would be expected that they would win their first-round game, at least in my opinion. Yeah. But, like, I, I completely agree with you. I think the if, it's, if they're a five seed, I think that's going to be probably the most popular five twelve upset that people pick, regardless of who the 12 seed is. Yeah, yeah, it's just something about Ohio State that um... – I don't think teams or people recognize their talent. Um, but, yeah, I agree. They're, they're not going to make a crazy Elite Eight run, Final Four run, uh, but I can see a Sweet 16 for sure. Uh, which brings us to our next team, who is a frequent of the Sweet 16, um, Wisconsin. So talk to me a little bit about those guys. Yeah, so I've said this before, but – this is the Virginia of the Big Ten. They're not going to score a lot. They're going to defend a lot. They're going to make your life really, 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 really hard. And basically, they're just going to make less mistakes than you and play better than you. And somehow, you have to find a way to win a game while that's happening. Um, they're led by Ethan Happ, who, again, still in college. I know it's crazy to me, too. But he's he's a legit, like, could get 30 and 20 on any given night. I don't know how he does it because he's not that athletic. Doesn't shoot good from the free throw line. He doesn't really shoot jump shots outside. Like 
15 feet, if even that. He just will abuse people on the post. He's not, not a physically intimidating guy. not really that big. He's just so gifted in terms of basketball IQ, basketball ability, all that stuff. Um, and then Brad Davison is another guy that's pretty big for them. Uh, he played more of their point guard role last year, kind of just out of pure need. This year he's playing more off the ball. Uh, he's one of their go-to shooters and a guy that comes up pretty big in the clutch for him. Super tough kid. He, I, I can't remember if it was seven or eight, but last year he dislocated his shoulder at least seven times uh, and finally got that corrected with surgery this year, but literally did not miss a game separating his shoulder seven times. That's unbelievable. Uh, sophomore now, they have Demetri Trice, who coming back off injury, uh, really athletic and shifty. Gets a, gets to a jump shot pretty frequently. Decent shooter. Um, and then they just have a bunch of other shooters to go along with those three main guys. Plus, Cleo Iverson, just their athletic, like, big body type of kid that kind of wreaks havoc from here and from uh, every now and then, but doesn't show up all the time. So I'd like a little bit more from him. But definitely one of the top four teams in the Big Ten, I think. Um, Greg Guard's an awesome coach. They, they really play well, they play well together. And it's just hard to beat teams like Wisconsin and Virginia because, like I said, you have to be near perfect to beat because they don't make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, they're a very disciplined team. Um, even though they have quite a few listed as sophomores, a lot of them are redshirt sophomores. So they got a lot of um, upperclassmen that's been around for a while. Um, Trace, I know you said it was a decent shooter, but he happens to be one of the best shooters in the uh, country's uh, percentage-wise shooting. Uh, I didn't include the, their last game against uh, Savannah State. Um, yeah, well, he didn't really play that much because yeah. they're only up by 70, so. <laughs> yeah, so that would only skew the data. But um, he, he before that game, he was shooting 55% from three um, on 56 attempts. So. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been really knocked down shooter. He worked all summer with his dad, um, working at his form, working at his shot, and it's clearly showing. Uh, he's averaging 16 a game, and he's just shooting the ball really well. And the reason he's averaging 16 a game is because he's taking the right shots. He's not forcing anything. Um, he takes shots that he knows he can make, um, and that's that's why he's being so efficient. Uh yeah, I mean, this team as a whole, um, very good defensively. Brad Davidson, if he's around, he's going to fall down and take a charge. Um, he took, I think, seven against, um, I want to say it was against Virginia. He took seven charges in one game, um, which is incredible. <laughs> and uh People well, don't want to take one. He takes seven and probably took more that just didn't get called. Like, he's such great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely their hustle guy in defense. Um, Nate Roy- Reavers, I like him. I like him a lot. Yep. I, I think he's going to develop under Ethan Happ, sort of take that role the way Ethan Happ took it from Frank Kaminsky, um, where you just become a lead big guy. He's He has a Great looking shot. Uh, he's shooting 41% from three, so a good percentage. Uh, I think with more volume, that'll look down a little bit. Uh, but his shot is good. He's taken 
he he likes to sort of stay around the perimeter while um, half is posting up, and he can knock down that kick out. Uh, his his post game still developing. He sort of just crab dribbles into a right hook quite a bit. Likes to get to his right hand. Still working on his left. Um, but defensively, is a very underrated defensive player. Great, great shot blocker, having two blocks a game. Um, just has good timing getting to help side. So I think he's going to be really good for Wisconsin in the, in the next couple of years. But yeah, Hap is just um, incredibly patient on the post. Uh, won't, a lot of times, a post player will get into his move. And where he's supposed to take the shot, he'll throw up a tough shot even though the defense is there. Hap will pump fake, spin back the other way, try to get a better shot. So just incredibly patient, makes you jump, um, and then is crazy active on the board. So if the shot goes up, he's going to be around the rim trying to get a hand on it, tipping it out. Um, yeah, and, and oh, my family is he's a really – not only a really willing passer out of the post, but he's also a really good passer out of the post. But it makes it really difficult to double team him, especially when they surround him with all these shooters. Um, so, like when you have Trice, Pretzel, Davison, and even Reavers out there with him, good luck with double team. That's a kick out for a wide open three for a really good shooter. So, he gives you that problem, with, but you have to double him because if you don't, he's just going to terrorize whoever is guarding him down there. Um, and then, like when you double him, he still scores and he still. A game where you double him, he might have he might have only ten points, but he could have seven assists. He'll probably have twenty rebounds in the game. So even if he's not scoring, he's finding major ways to affect the game. Yeah, I mean he's averaging five assists a game, <clears throat> and as a big in college, that's um, something that doesn't happen very often. So he's definitely one of the best passing bigs. I think the way to sort of stop him is to double him off the dribble. So as soon as he puts the ball on the floor, to double him. He tends to um, put the ball down and go into his move right away uh, and makes it tougher for him to kick it out. So if you wait until he puts the ball on the floor uh, to jump and come from behind him, not, not let him see the double, uh, because if he sees the double, he's going to destroy it. So, uh, right. and he's much more of a finesse player than he is a physical player, so physicality can help you guard him, and then also with the physicality comes fouls, obviously, and he's a horrendous free throw shooter. A little bit better than last year, just not good. So, putting him on the foul line isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple guys on the team that shoot better from three than he does from the free throw line, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with, with their bench, like you said, their pretzel, um, good shooter, just uh, strong dude. He can post up even only being 6'3", um, but more of a catch-and-shoot rhythm type of shooter. Um, then lean forward, sort of just a stretch four. Um, shooting the ball decent, not really aggressive offensively, just more of a catch-and-shoot type of a guy, um, but looks to move the ball. And then yeah, Kobe King, um, I like him. He, he's, yeah, he's good. He'll be a good he'll be a good player for Wisconsin for the next four years. Um, still needs to learn when he drives not to show the ball because he'll drive and get the ball stripped or he'll sort of bobble it because he's 
showing the defense the ball. So uh, still a lot to learn, but a good freshman for them. And then, I mean, as a team, offensively, they'll just run set plays after set plays. Just annoy you with screens, stagger sc screens, back screens. Um, if you're playing Wisconsin, be ready to get hit with a back screen. Um, and have, if you're guarding Trice, he's coming off a thousand screens. So <laughs> they like to get the ball out of his hands and have him run around sort of way. Um, not comparing the two, just saying with how Steph Curry gets the ball out of his hands early. Um, it runs off a ton of screens to get open looks. That's sort of what Wisconsin does. And their ultimate goal is to get half in the post and have people running around off screens for him to kick it out to. Yeah, I mean, same with Virginia. The Larry's Kyle Gines and Tyser Holmes. I'm not like, I'm not just saying they're Virginia just because they, but they play just like them. I mean, everything's similar. It's like defense is like them. They, uh, same kind of offense. They just feature the post much more obviously because they have a great post player. But um, it's a team I think is legit three to four seed. More towards the four side, I think, come March, just because I think the Big Ten is going to be tough this year. I think. Like I've said before, I think the middle of the pack is stronger than usual, and I think the top half of the, of the Big Ten isn't as strong as usual, probably besides Michigan. Um, but So I think there's going to be some good teams like Wisconsin that take a few losses that are a little bit questionable, um, which will hurt their seeding a little bit. But it's definitely a tournament team. There's no way they're not making the tournament unless something absolutely tragic happens. Um, but, yeah, I think it's like a four seed that goes to the Sweet 16. They're going to have a chance to go to the lead eight, probably, but I'm not ready yet to put them in there. Yeah, I think they're missing a wing scorer. Uh, they have great guard play. Um, Khalil Iverson is one of my favorite players on the team. Just he's not an offensive player, not going to shoot the ball behind the arc. Um, sort of plays in the dunker spot. So what, what that is, it's there's, um, off the baseline in between the paint and the three-point line. He sort of plays in that in that spot for um, half. They sort of hit him on a dump off where he can just take one big gather step, power dribble into a dunk. Um, but I think they need more from that that three spot because uh, Pritzel comes in, he's 6'3", and he's basically um, Brad Davison double. Uh, and then... The lean forward is just a stretch four, so I, I think they really need. They have Trevor Anderson, but he's coming off injury, and um, uh, he's not that type of scorer. So I think that's what's missing for them, and it's going to show. I think tournament time, but yeah, I see Sweet Sixteen. That's sort of their ceiling right now. Yeah, but I agree. Um, and let's get into the last team, which is Indiana. I think this is one of your favorite Big Ten teams, obviously outside of Maryland. What do you what do you like about these guys? Yeah, they might be more of a favorite of mine than Maryland sometimes, but <laughs> we'll get that with you. Uh, so yeah, they have a great class of Langford, typically so far with Langford and Tennessee. Um, two really good players that are they're, they're problems for you. Uh, but Jawan Morgan is a senior that is so underrated. He, I mean, he helps in all all ways. He he will be – he's a good defender when he wants to be. That's less, less common than he, than it probably should be, but he can defend. Uh, his jumper's a little bit streaky. Lately, he's been on fire. He's knocking out 
reads like a And he's the type of big that can catch you on the post and use a post move and score over you, or he can take you on the wing and just go by you. He's a true matchup problem for a lot of bigs in college. Um, and he, I think, currently is the reason they're as good as they are. Langford, while he's been pretty good, hasn't been as good as I expected him to be so far. Um, his jump shot's not quite there yet, which has hurt him, but he can get to the hoop with ease. Uh, and I would like to see him do that a lot more than he relies on that jumper a little bit too much right now. I have to see him use the drive to make his jump a little bit better. Um, and then Finnessy is another person that's been huge, who's really helped him a ton. Uh, hit the game winner against Butler over the weekend um, in that crossroads class thing with all the Indiana teams. Uh, he, he's been really good, better than expected, probably. And also been their primary ball handler and been able to create for others in a way that I, I wasn't expecting, at least. Um, I know he was always a good point guard in high school, but he's more of a scorer than a creator, and he's done great skating so far. Uh, they're also missing a couple freshmen they haven't played yet. They're going to redshirt probably two of their freshmen. But another one, this Hunter kid, was like a one of the better high school recruits in Indiana. Um, he's out indefinitely with surgery, but... I think if he ever comes back and is healthy, he's going to take them to a whole other level. He's like a 6'8", six, 6'9", six, power forward that can really play. So you pair him to playing for Tennessee and Morgan and like some arch, that's deadly. Uh, the one thing I do think they need to do a little bit better to you from the three-point line more consistently. Um, I know I've said Morgan's been shooting pretty well recently, but he's a streaky guy. Langford's really streaky right now, really struggling. Tennessee's a pretty good shooter. and have a couple other Yeah, yeah. I think um, Langford's still sort of getting his legs under him, getting used to the speed of the game with his shot. Uh, I think. And he's still 19 a game or something without a jump shot right now. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Langford is incredibly gifted offensively. Like you said, just can put the ball on the floor and get by. I'd put my money on him getting by anybody in the country. Um, he's just. Except Trey Jones. Got it in there. Let's go. <laughs> Got to get those Duke references in. <laughs> Especially. I can't on anything without Trey. But, yeah, I mean, Langford, definitely a lottery pick. Uh, NBA guy. Going to only be here for a year. Enjoy him while you can see him. Um, but, yeah, I like Jawan Morgan a lot. Um, I'm not on, not as high as on him as you are. Uh, I know he's one of your favorite guys in college. Um but he is very, very good. Um, that was just a pun for them. His shot is vastly improved from previous years. Uh, I mean, he has nine threes already. I'm just double checking that. Um, Most of last week too, so he's with it. Yeah, so that I didn't include the Butler game on that one. Um, but um, nine threes before the Butler game last year, I think he topped out at 16 for the year. Um, so definitely, I think I've hit four in the Butler game, so let's call it 13. Yeah, so, I mean, he's basically at his total last year. So, his shot's completely improved, um, but he definitely prefers to get into the paint. Um, strong body, can really score, tries to dunk on you. Um, is very good around the rim. Um, and he doesn't have the crazy handle. It's pretty simple. 
Um, but if he beats you with that first step, he's going to use his body to keep you behind him. Um, so he's very smart in that way. Uh, I've been really... And he only has to beat the guy, so he doesn't have to have that great of a hand. So he just has to have enough quickness, basically, to get by you off the bounce, and then, then he's good. Yeah, and the way they start out their lineup, I mean, he's their, he's their five, and he's six eight. Um, and it's not like Justin Smith is a big, slow forward. He's, he's very athletic, so you can't put your big dumpy guy on Justin Smith either. So, um, right. Juwan Moore is going to have a lot of mismatches. Um, I don't think he took advantage as much as he should in the Duke game. Um, no, no. Oh, he should have had a huge game that one. Yeah, especially when Bolden started out on him. Um, and having guys like Jack White guarding him, I, I think he should have played a lot better than he did. Um, he just has to trust himself a little bit more. But I've been really impressed with Rob uh, Fantasy for sure. Yeah, he's kind of reminds me a little bit of Trice uh, on West Council. We just talked about a little bit about. Um, very good shooter, um, good form, really quick, uh, and is smart with the ball, uh, especially for a freshman. Pressure doesn't seem to bother him as much as it, it normally does for freshman point guards. Um, but he, he's really good at um, being under control, um, especially on defense, never jumping for a pump fake. So I liked him this year. And then having guys like Durham, who's just sort of a catch-and-shoot guy, energy guy. Um, their, their bench is kind of thin in regards to what they bring. Uh, they have a lot of guys that play, uh, but nothing too crazy. What, what do you think of their bench? Yeah, they got – I guess it doesn't make sense to me because they brought in two four-stars to go along with their three five-stars they have, and they're not – no, finishing four-stars. But anyway, they have two other four-star guys on the on the bench, and that I'm pretty sure they're playing on red tripping. They haven't really played recently. Uh, and I really think they would help them. They got, it's a small forward and a power forward that bring a lot of size, a lot of athleticism. I understand that a lot of the – specifically with the big and a lot of the – idea is to pressure your your guys that aren't flat out superstars like a Langford, um, which I can kind of understand, but at the same token, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, and I think that if they actually played those guys, their bench would be a lot better. But yeah, they don't... When their bench is coming in, it's, if they get in foul trouble, they're in serious trouble. Because guys like Morgan and Langford, there's no replacement for that. Even Finnessy, there's not really a great ball handler, point guard type guy coming in to help them out. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Green's your backup ball handler. Um, he's decent, uh, just runs the offense, gets him into plays. Um, he's just, it just, I mean, he's averaging six points and three assists, so it's not like he's bringing a ton to the game. Um, he's very turnover prone, so opposite of um, Rob, he's just, he tries to do a little too much, I think, tries to replicate what Rob's bringing to the team um, and can't quite do it. And then um, have guys like Zach Roberts, who, who, when he's out there, is only taking 4% of the team's shots. So he's just not a threat offensively, um, just really a ball mover, a floor spacer. He's 3 for 4 from 3, um, not including the Butler game, which he was 0 for 2, correct? Oh, yeah. So, three for six right now. So, shooting 50% from three. Uh, 
just really out there to give guys rest. And then Evan Fitzner, he's a big um, on paper, but is going to stand outside of the three-point line uh, transferring in from St. Mary's. He's just a, just a shooter. Um, they, Interesting move. Um, he uh, so if, if he's not doesn't have an open shot, he can put the ball on the floor. Uh, not great at it, uh, but takes huge strides and just tries to get a, a dunk. Um, but will run you over. So easy to take a charge on him. And then complete opposite Evan Fitzner. There's uh, Deron Davis. Um, like around huge body. Huge. Man. Yeah, he's just a, a tree trunk down there. Um, hasn't taken a three yet. I don't think he's taking a shot outside the paint yet this year. Um, Pretty sure he's not. <laughs> he's just a screen and roll type of guy. Going to try to put you underneath the hoop and dunk on you. Um, very strong. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's their bench. And, like you said, this they don't bring an offensive punch that I think they need to be. Um, a deep running tournament team, especially since I'm not a huge fan of Justin Smith or Durham as far as um, when Langford or Morgan's shots aren't going in. Um, right. They can't really create their own shots. So um, if one of those two are off, their offense is going to be great. And defensively, they're not the Virginias or Wisconsin's that can hold a team under 60. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're decent enough offensively, or defensively, but like you said, they're not they're not going to win a game by their defense. So they they really need Morgan and Langford specifically to to play the way they're capable of. Which so far they have for the most part. Um, Langford's definitely going to get better throughout the year. Like I think by the time March comes around, he's going to be one of the hardest players to guard in college, if not already. Um, but like we we keep saying, they're they're good. They're like I think they're probably a four or five seed. I I don't think they're gonna necessarily climb up too high, like to the two or three line like I would like them to. I think they have enough talent to. Um, but I see them around the four or five line. And we keep also talking about benches. And college is a little bit different than the NBA just because the starters often play a lot more. And you got teams like Kentucky where you got literally five five stars coming off the bench. Like that's just an embarrassment of riches that most teams don't aren't lucky enough to have. Um, so it's, we're not expecting like five guys to come off the bench for Indiana and just really help out the team. It's more like one or two guys that can go get a bucket just to give Langford and Morgan a blow here and there. Um, that's a ton of pressure to carry. 30-game season, you got to play close to 40 minutes a night and carry the scoring load the whole entire way all year long. That's going to be tough for those guys. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they respond to that. Yeah, I mean, it would be awesome if Indiana had a Keyshawn um, – Seriously, that would be huge. I mean, that would be massive for them to have a senior, graduate senior come off the bench and uh, know how to handle the ball and get a bucket. I think that would be huge for them. Um, but yeah, that uh, that wraps up our, our Big Ten for, the, uh, for today. Uh, take a quick break, get into the college picks, college trades, and then jump into the NBA. All right, so we're going to do our picks now. Uh, Michael's 
in there. I said one thing at the beginning, on the very first podcast, I said it's very difficult to win on the road in college basketball, and I've now picked three straight road teams as my lock. So we're going to get off that bandwagon and jump on a new one here. I'm going to go with my own school. Uh, I'm going to pick Maryland over Seton Hall this weekend on Saturday. Again, don't have a line out yet. Um, I'm going to say I think Maryland will be favored probably by six and a half. It might be less than that. I really hope it's like four and a half, but I'm, I'm thinking it might be a little bit higher. I think Seton Hall is kind of an anomaly beating Kentucky. I don't think they're that strong behind Miles Powell. Um, so I'm going to go Maryland in that one with the home environment. And before Michael makes his pick, just to give you a quick rundown, Thursday, Duke played Texas Tech. Saturday, we have uh, Kentucky playing North Carolina, UCLA playing Ohio State. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of action going on. Yeah, Saturday's kind of thin. Um, I'm actually going to pick one of the games you mentioned, Ohio State-UCLA. Uh, playing at UCLA, UCLA's coming off that bad loss to Belmont at home. Actually, I think that one's in uh, Chicago as part of the oh, that's right, that's like, right. classic thing. That's, that's played right before UNC, UNC Kentucky. That's right. Um, but, yeah, still, nonetheless, um, a game that UCLA shouldn't have lost. Um I think I'm going to go – there's no line out, so I'm thinking um, UCLA is going to just be a one-point favorite just before being home. I know Ohio State's ranked 15th right now, um, but I still think they'll give UCLA the basically a pick them. Uh, but I'm going to take Ohio State here. I think we talked a lot about Amarty today, uh, but I think Caleb West is going to have a good game, I'm hoping. <laughs> um, and I think – Kyle Young's just energy, and Luther Muhammad, their energy, I think it's just going to be too much for UCLA. Um, I think Ohio State wins by um, at least two possessions. Hey, we had an extra one to throw out. Uh, Auburn plays NC State tonight. Auburn's favored by only a point, which I think is ridiculous. Um, oh, Auburn is a lot better than NC State's favored by a point. Even, even better. So now you get a little extra point to deal with. Um, Auburn should win that game. I don't think they, unless someone's injured that I don't know about. But uh, yeah, that is an extra one for you. You have to do what you want. Don't put too much money on it to affect the line where Michael and I don't win any money on it, please. But <laughs> other than that, uh, now I'll give Michael a trade. So I, I'm trying to stick with kind of who we talked about again. Um, and I'm cheating this week a little bit just because college trades are really hard. There's a reason colleges don't make trades apparently, other than just that it's illegal. Um, but I'm going to go with Indiana. I said they need a shooter. In my heart, I want to make them better. I want to make them have a run in the NBA tournament. Um, so I'm going to do something a little weird. I'm going to – at first, I would sign Quad A Green if he was a free agent, if that was possible in college right now, immediately. He gives them another ball handler, another shooter. That would be awesome for Indiana. Secondly, I'm going to poach off Kentucky again because it's easy to do since they have so many players and so many stars. Um, so – Archie Miller has dominated Indiana this year for recruiting. He got five four stars or better from Indiana, um, which is how Indiana is going to be good. They're going to keep recruiting their state. Kentucky, I'm going to give Kentucky next year to Mr. Indiana, from the, from the state of Indiana, obviously, Mr. Basketball. Um, I'm going to give that to Kentucky. I'm going to take Tyler Harrow, a guy that hasn't shot it well yet, but is definitely a good shooter, but I think would help uh, be that wing scorer go to guy to help with taking the load off Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan. Uh, so Kentucky, California said this is the best shooting team he's ever had. So I think taking, I mean, he's probably their best shooter, but taking him off the team 
probably he wouldn't think was going to kill him that much since they do have other shooters. Um, and he just hasn't really gotten it going yet, hasn't been a huge part of the team. I think it would hurt Kentucky for sure, but it's a play for them for next year because obviously next year hasn't gone as planned so far. I like that. I like using future pick, future players. <laughs> um, I feel like it's a conditional type deal. Yeah, those are fun. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, Indiana definitely could use another another guy just to relieve the pressure. Um, just exactly. so Langford can get to the hoop. Morgan get to the hoop and kick it out to someone they can trust um, other than Fitzner and Durham. Uh, yeah, I like that. I think Indiana would be good. Um, Kentucky, obviously, doesn't need Harrow to be be a good team because they have, like you said, a ton of, ton of guys. Um and they obviously love their five stars, so to be able to get next year's Mr. Indiana, I think would be. Yep. <laughs> I think it'd be Cal would be certainly fine with that to keep his recruiting track record the way it is. Exactly. I guess like Tyler Hero is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so I suppose I could have traded him Wisconsin and give them a wing score, but too late. Indiana's got to be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the college section. Um, just take one more short, quick break to get into the NBA. All right, now jumping into the NBA, we have um, we're going to take we're going to look at the Phoenix Suns and the Charlotte Hornets. Um, we're going to start with the Phoenix Suns just because they got a lot going on right now. Um, but we first want to start with. Um, an incredible moment for Phoenix Suns history. Um, an older lady, not not quite sure, but she's certainly pushing triple digits, um, sat at the town hall for Phoenix and sort of went off on um, the owner, Robert Sarver. Um, included a quote saying, he's so tight that when he walks, he squeaks. <laughs> um <laughs> One of the best things I've heard all week. She just really, yeah. Um, she was responding to. So if you guys don't know, um, Sarver threatened to move Phoenix to Seattle um, or Vancouver um, if they can't get this new arena done. Um, so she really didn't like that and really went off on a little rant in the town hall. Um, what do you think about her? Yeah, I mean, she basically. Blamed him for why the Suns have sucked for the last few years. And he's so tight. When he, he's so tight. He speaks any walk. He won't spend any money in arena. A go-to player, literally nothing. Um, obviously, they drafted Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, so they're doing a little bit of something, right? But uh, yeah, I, I mean that's awesome. Like she basically just ruined him by telling him he has to pay for this arena, or she's gonna revolt. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was real fun to watch, and yeah, I mean, he really had. I mean, he started, I think, in two thousand and two or two thousand four, um, with owning the team. Obviously, they had the Steve Nash and Mari Stoudemire years, um, but that team sort of broke up because he wouldn't spend any money. Had to trade Sean Marion, um, so she, I mean, she does have a point. He's reluctant to sort of spend money to get better, um, and relies through the draft, which they haven't been great with. Um, obviously, Devin Booker, they hit pretty pretty big with. Um, I think this last year um, had a great draft, not because of Aiton. I think because Miguel, Mikel Bridges, um, that was an awesome trade 
to get yep. out to grab him. Um, I love Zaheer Smith, but I think Mikel Bridges is, is going to be a much better pro. Um, yep. Just because he can shoot, he can defend, he can play offense, something Zaheer Smith is still learning. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – and then Eli Kobo and getting De'Anthony De Melton in that trade, they have a ton of young guys now um, that they can they can build around. Um, I almost had some European – yeah, I mean, I was as soon as it landed where Phoenix had the first pick, I thought Luka Doncic made the most sense to go there. Uh, With his national team coach too, right? Yeah, it's the Slovenian national coach is Igor Koskov, who is the Phoenix Suns' new rookie head coach. Um, they played well together. Um, I think. It's just – it's ironic to me that they're in desperate need of a lead guard. They're trying to figure out should Devin Booker be the point guard. Um, they're experimenting with Josh Jackson. Um, and they had one of the best ball handling playmakers in the draft there for them for the taking. Um, granted, Aiton's a great player, but I just would have took Doncic with that first pick. Um, what do you think about that? Wholeheartedly agree. I think Doncic would, would have helped a little bit more with Aiden. Uh, Aiden, you you nailed this in the pre-draft. His, his motor is a little questionable. He doesn't exactly give you everything he's got at all times. Uh, he can disappear from time to time. I mean, obviously, he's a good rebounder, a good scorer, can do a lot with body size and that's not that much him, but he doesn't give it to you all the time. Uh, so, that's... Uh, he'll, hopefully, he'll figure it out. Who knows, but Booker is a bona fide superstar. Uh, they nailed that one. That's a pretty good pick. If you look at him in college, he didn't kind of was hidden on that Kentucky team, didn't get to do a whole lot, but Dave, he's probably the second best player from that Kentucky team, if not the best player from that Kentucky team. That's a really good draft pick there. Um, but like you said, a lot of young guys kind of trying to piece it together. Unfortunately, a lot of the young guys they have don't really mesh with each other in terms of like how they're going to play on the court. Um, so it's a little bit of an odd fit, but I think they they have the right pieces at least in order to start to kind of put Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're an interesting team. Um, I, I like Goskoff a lot as a coach. Um, he runs, as we mentioned earlier, that horn set. Um, loves to get T.J. Warren involved in that. Um, that's sort of where um, Warren will he'll be one of the elbow guys with DeAndre Ayton for the most part. Um, sort of come out, come off the screen, get up, get the ball on the wing, uh, and look to to make a move. And if he doesn't have anything, he has Devin Booker right there for him. Um, so I think he's very creative offensively. Um, T.J. Warren again is someone who's very underrated. Um, just a professional scorer, um, scores at all three levels, is shooting incredibly efficient this year, shooting fifty-two percent from the field, 45 from three and 86 from the foul line, sort of almost on that 50, 40, 90 level, which I believe it's only Nash, Steph Curry, Durant, and someone else that I'm sorry, I just can't think of right now, um, but doesn't happen very often. So he's um, someone that I think is very underrated, very good player. Um, and then my only thing with Aiton, um, is defensively, just doesn't have the effort, but he 
he just catches himself in no man's land where um, he's in help side, doesn't quite get all the way over to help side, but he's not close enough to his man where he can recover. So just gets caught in between and oftentimes gives up easy lobs or they just have an open jump shot in front of him. So he just has to understand defensively. You've got to get to one or the other. You can't be playing between. And he's he's averaging half a steal a game under a block a game at seven one in his athleticism. It's just just not unacceptable. Just has to be more active, and that's gonna go straight, go way up. Um, what do you think about Aiden? Yeah, I I was I mean I think he's like the the freak type athlete. You look at in college, like you look at how big he was. No way that can freshman. Wow, look, he's really talented. He's got a jump shot. He can dunk on people. Like he had it all. It seemed like in college, but then when he gets to the NBA, you get more guys that are similar like that. You don't stand out as much. Um, you kind of your flaws start to show a little bit more, and you can kind of see that. Like, yeah, he's he's a freak, but he's still got a long way to go to figure it all out. Yeah, he's unfortunately a guy that I think is just going to be a good player in a bad team his whole career. Um, he just doesn't do the necessary things to put a team over the top, despite all of his talent and potential. Um, I thought the same thing with Devin Booker last year. I thought he was just going to be a great player in a bad team. Um, but now I'm starting to see more uh, Bradley Beal um, type of player. He's able to become more of a playmaker now. Um, he's still learning how to do it. He still has sort of a limited court vision um, and gets uncomfortable at times. He's trying to get everyone involved and still get his shot because he loves to shoot. Um, but I think he has, he's going to be definitely a Bradley Beal type player um, that has a great shot. That's where it starts, but is able to put the ball on the floor and get to his spots. I mean, he's an incredible uh, mid-range shooter, especially on the wings. Um, on his pull-ups, he's shooting 50%, so I'm very good at getting to his spot and rising up and knocking down a shot. Um, but yeah, I mean, at Kentucky, he was just a really a spot-up shooter for the most part, so the fact that he's already taken this big of a leap in, what, his fourth year now? Third year? Fourth, yeah. Fourth, right? Yeah. I think it's fourth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that first band, that's pretty impressive to go from pretty much just shooter to now, like, ball handler, go-to guy, playmaker, distributor, or shooter, all that. Yeah, and I'm still a little bitter that he went to pick before the Thunder that year. Um, <laughs> that was when the Thunder still had Durant. Um, that team would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> and said they got I don't know if we, I don't know if we said it yet, but Cole's a diehard Thunder fan. Case doesn't come off as obvious yet. Well, I try to be as objective as possible. Um, yeah, that's something I'm not. That's why we <laughs> work, work well together here. <laughs> so yeah, instead of getting Devin Booker, the Thunder got campaign. Um, so <laughs> quite the fall off. Which is another reason why he was a little bit hard on campaign. We talked about the polls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you want to talk a little bit about the the trade that has just happened. Um. So the Suns traded Trevor Ariza for Kelly Oubre and now waived Austin Rivers. So what was your initial thought? Uh, I thought it was smart for the Suns. I mean, 
Trevor Ariza wasn't doing a whole lot for him. They were paying him a lot of money, and I just don't think he he didn't want to be there. I don't think they wanted him there towards this point in the year. Um, I just don't think it fit well together. It, that was a weird signing for me. I understand they want like the veteran presence and everything, but I just thought that was odd to me on the free agency for the for the Suns. But I think they got a great player in Kelly Oubre. Uh, not great yet, but I think he has a chance to be a really solid NBA player. He already is pretty good. Like, he can really help a team. Another just super young athletic and high-potential type of guy to, to stockpile on that roster. And I don't really get it for the Wizards, but I'm sure we'll get there eventually. Yeah, it seems sort of weird that the Wizards were hard set on getting Ariza. Um, I know once you make that trade that didn't go through, and now you got players that are upset because they're traded, and now they're not. Now they know their value with the organization that you kind of have to make a move. Um, but it has sort of felt forced. Um, and I think I saw, so now the Wizards have traded their 2014, 15, and 16 first-round picks for Trevor Ariza which ultimately has happened. Um, so, uh, very weird move by Washington. Um, they're not strange to those type of strange trades, but we'll get to that another day. But for Phoenix, um, leaving Austin Rivers, I think, is very smart. Um, he's not the type of player that they need. Um, really don't need another scoring guard because um, they have Jamal Crawford. They have Devin Booker. Um, TJ Warren, they don't need these another scorer and don't think he brings the best attitude there, especially coming from a toxic Wizards environment that the Suns already have a decently toxic environment right now. Um, but Ke- Kelly Oubre, I think, is smart. Take a flyer on him. Um, if you don't like him, let him go. Uh, I think he's a restricted group in this year. Um, but I think it gives them a chance to look at trading Josh Jackson they sort of bring the same type of game. Not not great shooters. Kelly's a little bit better. Um, but sort of bring that energy defensively, length. Um, they're about the exact same size. Um, Josh Ives has an inch. But, I mean, they bring that length, that energy off the bench. They're, they're both fine with coming off the bench. So I think it was a smart trade. Um, I'm not going to move the needle either way for either team. Um, but why not take a flyer on a young guy that sort of has fallen out of favor with the Wizards? Um, right. But yeah, I mean, the Suns are a long way from being good. Um, I like their pieces. Jamal Crawford really buying into that veteran leadership role that sort of Vince Carter has taken over uh, for Atlanta. Right. Um, he has completely turned around his game. Um, still loves to cross you up has one of the best handles um, ever in the NBA, but has really tried to get people involved. Um, just really trying to get the best out of TJ Warren, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Eaton. Um, so it's been fun to watch him there. And then um, just a ton of young, young guys around, around him. Um, I think that's enough on Phoenix. Um, they're hot right now, though, so they've won three in a row. Yeah, pretty straight since that lady went off. Good for her. Yep. Um, I'm 
very, very confident that their win streak is now over. Um, they go <laughs> into Boston tonight on NBA TV, so if you want to check that one out. I don't think that's going to be a close game. Uh, Boston's playing really well, so that's a, that's probably going to be their long for the year. Which moves us on to Charlotte. Um, so what are your initial thoughts on the Hornets so far this year? Well, Kevin Walker is one of my favorite college players ever. How could he not be? Like, he's Honestly, I would put him as the, my favorite player I've ever watched that didn't wear a Duke uniform. Uh, he's, he's just crazy good. He's still crazy good. He's so small, so undersized, and just it doesn't matter. Like He can get to the hoop. He can get a jumper over you. He's so clutch. And he, non, he does it nonstop, which is why he got the nickname Cardiac Kemba because he won five games in five days in the Big East tournament. Um, but yeah, he's he's special. Uh, Jeremy Lamb has played a lot better than I kind of thought he was ever going to play going out of college. Uh, he's been pretty good for them. Then they just have just an unbelievable amount of length and, and athleticism on the wings with like MJG and uh, Lee Funk, Jeremy Lamb also like they, a lot Miles Bridges. They just have a lot there. Um, it's a, it's a kind of a, I, I, at least personally, I didn't think they were going to be that great as good as they are currently this year. Um, I didn't have them as an Eastern Conference playoff team, but it's looking more and more like they probably will slide into there. I know they've had a couple of cold stretches, but I think they're a pretty solid team. Yeah, <clears throat> they're, if they're one of the better league pass teams to watch, um, just because they, they run their offense through Kemba, um. They run an offense where they get him setting a screen on the wing, the wing curls, and then it's just a dribble and hand off into Kemba, and they let Kemba play off of that. Um, so they really let him play, and really let Kemba do what he wants. And because Kemba's such a smart player, um, has an incredible crossover through the legs behind the back type move, step backs, um, for being listed at six foot, probably shorter than that. Um, actually, this is a 6-1. I, I don't believe that. Um, he has so much separation off his step back. Um, it's unbelievable. But um, he does a really good job. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. He has the same amount of separation as James Harden does using two step backs. Just have to throw that one in there. Yeah. Yeah, we did see a rare double step back that did not call for travel. <laughs> it was really incredible. I mean, he... His step with his left foot touched the paint. And he got all the way out to the wing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it almost looked like B Dot's video where that impersonates James Harden. <laughs> well, exactly. Hey, well, that's why he learned that move from right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he actually did learn that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kemba was great. Um, definitely an all-star. Um, I would like to see him get a all-NBA um, selection um, if he keeps this pace up. But um, outside of him, they just have, like you said, length. I mean, Jeremy Lamb, Nicholas Batum, Marvin Williams are their sort of forward starting. Um, they have a ton of length. Jeremy Lamb, Batum, Marvin Williams, more of spot-up shooters at this point. Um, Jeremy Lamb can put the ball on the floor, um, but is is better at just taking a one bounce pull up. Um, and then Cody Zeller has been uh, 
somewhat underrated. He's just very active, energy, um, he's big, seven foot, two forty, um, with very good athleticism. Uh, I think he sets really good screens for Kemba and just dives hard and has a little bit has some roll gravity. Um, so what roll gravity means is when somebody rolls, they bring defenders with them. So when he dives, um, he'll take the guard with him. Uh, to prevent the lob. So that gives Kemba more space to just knock down an easy two. Um, And what I like what they did this summer was sign Tony Parker just because he brings a similar dynamic Kemba does. So Kemba and Tony really thrive on penetration, um, try to get to the lane, um, try to get others involved through that, through, through a penetration and kick. So they don't miss a beat when he comes out. Uh, so they have Tony Parker come in. And then um, Malik Monk, someone I was not very high on out of the draft, um, just because 6'3 shooting guard, um, didn't see much playmaking out in Kentucky, probably because he was playing with De'Aaron Fox, but has really developed that part of his game, um, sort of becoming the lead guard, getting into the lane. He's definitely working with Kemba with his, with his dribble moves. Um, has that same sort of through-the-legs crossover step-back move um, to the top of the key. Loves to take that fade away, too. Um, loves when someone's in his face and hits it. He's drove Calipari nuts last year. What's that? That drove Calipari nuts, that fadeaway step-back, too, that put his hand in his face. Oh, yeah, but he, he really thrives on that kind of stuff. Um, loves to get out and transition and dunk on somebody and stare him down, flex on him, even though he's light. <laughs> um, put it softly. Yeah, he has incredible athleticism. So um, he's better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, I think if he continues to develop a playmaking uh, skill and really work on the playmaking, he can turn into a lead guard and eventually carry a team. I think if Kemba does move on, he can sort of step in there. Um, and then to talk a little bit more about another young guy, Miles Bridges has been um, very impressive, um, especially with his jump shot, shooting 36% from three, something that he didn't do great in college. He didn't do bad, but um, would have games where he was always six from three at Michigan State, um, but has really improved his jumper. Um really uh, knocks down catch and shoots. So he's, um, I think, 75% or something like that of his shots are off catch and shoot. The other part is just him getting to the lane transition. Um, so he's been really good for them. Um, and then Kid Gilchrist, just his shot has improved like crazy. Um, for how bad his form is. I don't know if you've seen his shot, but it's like Charles Barkley's golf swing. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're both getting better, right? <laughs> yeah. They, they both still have that little hitch. Um, but right now he's 6-16, six to 16, so 38%, um, which is impressive. Uh, and he's, he's definitely got more confidence. He's only played 22 games this year, but is more confident in his shot and can put the ball on the floor and tries to, to finish above the rim. So 
Um, Charlotte's a really good team. I think they're a playoff team. I'm going to give a first-round matchup some trouble, but I think ultimately the East is the top four or five teams in the East are, are, are slightly better. And we'll, I think we'll win six, five to six games in the first round against Charlotte. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> um, so I'll jump right in. Um, we'll, jump, we'll do the picks first, um, and then we'll get into my trade. So do you want to do your pick first? Yeah. Who's Brooklyn playing against? Uh, so Brooklyn <laughs> is, is playing Chicago at Chicago. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brooklyn has won a bunch of games in a row. I'll do the six or seven. I already got the count down to this point, so it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Brooklyn by two and a half. Oh, Brooklyn over Chicago. Chicago stinks. They're really struggling. Nothing's working. Literally nothing. I'm going through. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Just Chicago's a dumpster fire at this point. Jim Boylan has lost the locker room. They have the worst net rating since the 2011-12 Charlotte Bobcats, um, which has the worst net rating rating, um, ever. So not good company being since Jim Boylan has taken over. Um, But my pick, I try to avoid these type of picks. Um, where I pick a team that I like to root for. Um, but I'm going to take the Thunder minus five at Sacramento. Um, Sacramento just hasn't been a good home team this year. Uh, the Thunder are just, they're playing well. Uh, they had a tough loss against the Nuggets Friday. Um, just didn't shoot the ball well. Um, Dennis Schroeder just did not have a good game. Uh, but they bounced back was it yesterday. Um, and now I think take care of Sacramento minus five. Um, and now for my trade. So as we like to do is we like to um, sort of keep it in with teams we covered. So I'm going to have the Suns trade. Uh, and now I have to pull it up so I can find it. So it's going to be the Suns and <laughs> Suns and the Utah Jazz. Um, so Suns, like we talked about, desperate need of, uh, of a, a point guard, a veteran point guard. Um, I think the Jazz are in desperate need of a scorer. So I'm going to take some pressure off of uh, Donovan Mitchell. They've had too many games that are scoring under 90 points um, in scoring in the 80s. Um, so I'm going to trade Josh Jackson and TJ Warren for Ricky Rubio and Thabo Cephalosha just for salary purposes. Wow. Yeah, I like that a lot for, for teams. I think Rubio could bring a lot to the Suns. He's a really solid point guard. I think he could take a ton of pressure off Devin Booker um, just by having the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, but I really like that for you. Even them, TJ Warren, even Josh Jackson, I think, can bring in and added like defensive intensity, athleticism type of type of game and help them out there. But I really like TJ Warren paired with like Joe Angles and Donovan Mitchell on the court together. I can see that being pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I the, the my thinking behind for Utah is that um, they need more of a scorer than a, a playmaker at this point or a, a primary ball handler because I think Donovan Mitchell can take care of that. They have Dante Exum, Raul Neto. Um, 
they have guys that can handle the ball. I think just they're missing a wing scorer. Uh, Joe Ingles is a is a playmaker, but um, someone who can go get you 20, 20 points uh, on every night, basically. Um, I think TJ Warren would be really good. And Josh Jackson, I think, is the type of player that just needs to change the scenery. He plays really hard, has a great motor, um, but is playing on a team that has a lot of guys that don't. Um, there's the Suns played the Thunder one game this year. Um, Josh Jackson's inbounded. There's a second left. Um, and uh, I can't think of who the player was. I think it was Ariza. Someone didn't come back to the ball. The ball got stolen. Gave up a last-minute heave. Josh Jackson was furious because the team just gave up. And it was just going into the half. So change, change the scenery for him. I think will be good for him. And then Phoenix, obviously, need that ball handler. Ricky Rubio would love to play in uh, Kukovskov's type of offense. I mean, Quinn Snyder has a, has a great offense, but um, I like Igor's a little bit better. And I think he would thrive there in having Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden. Um, those guys just can put the ball in the bucket. So. Steve Nash, part two. There you go. All right, so that covers the NBA. Quick break, and then we'll get back into the study. All right, so Zach, what do you got for us this week? All right, so I'm just going to do a quick one here. Uh, it's about psychological momentum, kind of, uh, but specifically with timeouts and sports. Um, I'll do more about psychological momentum later on uh, in our future lessons, but uh, this is literally just one, one sentence. Timeouts can reduce performance by 54%, which was a number that I did not expect at all. Um, I know I definitely think timeouts can help slow down a team, but in no sense that I think it would reduce performance by almost half, more than half. Yeah, 54 is more than half, confirmed. Yeah, quick maps. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, that is a crazy, crazy number. Um, I can't believe that timeouts are that, have that big of an impact. Um, and I think third coaches that struggle with timeouts um, when they take them, and then there's coaches that don't use them uh, and end up with having four timeouts left at the end of the game. Um, right. So now, so now pay attention to when your favorite team, when the coach pulls a timeout, see how the other team responds to it. And if they didn't didn't change up much, it's probably because your coach pulled a timeout at a dumb spot. <laughs> yeah. So very interesting. Um, but next week, um, we're going to move conferences. I'll leave that for a teaser for you. I'm getting to more NBA guys. Um, but yeah, check out check out our social media. We're getting we're getting more and more out there. We've got Twitter. Uh, I'm gonna start posting some content for you guys to read and to look over. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Anything else, Zach? No, we're good. See you for Christmas week. Yep. Enjoy the holidays. Now enjoy some DJ Zenith.
Get out on the floor. All I want to know, can we turn this thing out?